Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of orange fizz. Syracuse recruiting news, insider information, latest SU buzz. The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the central New York airwaves. It's Fizz Radio. Wow. Do we have a lot to talk about, about Syracuse basketball, guys. It's been a wild week. It's been a wild couple of weeks, and we're here to break it down for you on Fizz Radio. J.D. Rachi alongside Thomas Schultz. Thanks so much for making us a part of your Saturday morning right here on the Score 1260. And we'll start with basketball. We'll get into football. We'll get into Brian Ward being fired and kind of where we stand on that issue and where Syracuse is at going into the final three games of the season. Of course, no game this weekend on a bye this week and a bye they desperately need after they just got absolutely lambasted against Boston College but boy basketball team did not much look better did not look much better on Wednesday no it did not and after all the excitement of the offseason granted it is a young team Virginia is a really tough opponent to start out with and Jim Beheim said that he said it's gonna be really really tough against this Virginia team and uh it, it was I mean Virginia just did absolutely demolish this team and yeah five of 29 from three that's not gonna happen usually for Syracuse but Again, usually they're not going to play UVA. Buddy Beheim, one of eight. Absolutely awful, tough start to the season, and really tough to I mean, get fans excited. They, they scored 34 points. Cole Anthony, one of the best freshmen in the country, made his debut last night for North Carolina, so Syracuse will see that him in the Dome uh, in February. I think that's senior night, right? And he had 34 points by himself, and it wasn't like it was against, like, East Kentucky Tech Directional A&M University, like, they were playing Notre Dame. It was a conference game, and Cole Anthony, I think, had 34-11-5. And, and, I mean, Syracuse scored 34 points as an entire team. A whole unit of individuals scored as many points as one player for North Carolina. And and probably, honestly, I mean, Virginia is better than Notre Dame, but, like, Notre Dame's going to be decent this year. North Carolina's losing a little bit. They're going to get some bad, you know, they're in, in, in fluxes. It always seems like those big programs are, but they, they figure it out all, all the time. But, I mean, either way, like, this is just – it was historically the worst performance offensively in the history of the Carrier Dome. There has never been anything worse. Two years ago, Virginia held them to 44 points. And we were like, oh, man, we're never going to see something like that again. Like, that was abysmal. That was That was the record then. And then all of a sudden – They've got four points halfway through the first half. They end up with 34 on the game. Like Historically, one of the worst performances in Syracuse basketball history. The worst performance since World War II. (laughs) The last time Syracuse scored fewer than 34 points in a game, Jim Boeheim, who is in year 44 at the helm of this program, was three months old. Not three years old, three months old. Last time a performance was this bad for Syracuse offensively. It, it, it's it's a little hard to happy, wrap your head around just how bad it was statistically. And to make it even worse, that time during World War II, no shot clock. You can kind of just hold on to the ball. Can't do no that shot anymore. clock and no three-point line to add to add points. Absolutely atrocious. But you know what? I I honestly. I mean, granted, obviously you can't get any worse, I don't think, but I'm It'd not— It'd be hard. I'm It'd not, really be hard to yeah. be worse than what they were on, on Wednesday. I'm not very—I'm uh, not really concerned about this offense, I'll say. I think Buddy Beheim will be better. 
Elijah Hughes will generally be better at four than 14. He needs to be. He should score 20-plus this season. Jalen Carey's got to play more than 18 minutes. That was concerning. I, I, I agree. I agree with most of your points. I'm not sure about the Jalen Carey thing just because I really haven't been impressed with what I've seen from him over the first, even in the exhibition games as well. Um, but in terms of what this offense is going to be moving forward and kind of what this offense is gearing up to look like and are they really that bad or are they really 34 points bad, no, I really don't think they are. I think they showed us against Damon and against Carlton, even though that's a D2 and a Canadian team that certainly aren't on the level of ACC caliber opponents. I think they show that this offense can be a lot better than it was last year when that was their biggest issue. Um, I'm not sure they're going to put up 90 points a game. I don't think that's ever <laughs> going to happen with a Syracuse offense, especially one that really only has one true star on it. I mean, because you think about it, most other teams, Buddy Beheim is not your second leading, like your second scoring option. Right. He's just not. That's just not the way college basketball operates. Usually you've got a superstar, another superstar, maybe even a third superstar if you're lucky, and then a bunch of really, really good role players. Syracuse is kind of in that unique situation where they only have that one stud, but I still think that they can be better offensively than they were last year. Um, it, it's just a matter of can they not turn over the basketball, which they did a great job of on Wednesday. They really didn't turn it over. And can they be efficient? That's the thing they really struggled with. They shot like 17% from three and like 27% from the floor. That's just not going to get the job done. Was it against UVA? What is it? Was it against one of the historically best defenses in college basketball ever? Yes. And they looked just as good, if not better, defensively as they did last year. Kihei Clark had a really good game for UVA. He almost had a triple-double, the 5'9 point guard. And Mamadi Diakite was awesome as well. UVA's a really tough opponent. There are some things that need to you know, get shaken up, though, and, and kind of need to work out a little bit more if Syracuse wants to get on the right track. And I'm not saying this thing is going to completely derail them. It's not. This is by far their toughest game of the early part of the season. And there's really nothing that's going to even come close to it except maybe the Barclays games just because they're in front of a big crowd but and maybe the ACC Big Ten Challenge with Iowa. But, you know, this is a team that I think I have, I have more faith in them than probably a lot of people do after a 30-point performance just because I do think they have the weapons and kind of the firepower offensively to be better than what they showed on Wednesday. And this is a team that's just so, so young. Joe Girard. Quincy Guerriere, Jalen Carey, I mean, he's a sophomore, but he didn't play a whole lot his freshman year. You're getting a lot of contributions from a really, a really, really inexperienced team. So I think they're just going to continue to get better and better as the year goes on. And obviously we mentioned this is just not the team that you would hope to open with. But, you, J.D., you brought up Jalen Carey and how you just haven't been impressed with him. Another guy that I am very concerned about, and I was concerned about going into the season, and I don't really think you can win with, is Barama Sidibe yeah, at the five. Yeah, he was, he was not good. He was not good on Wednesday. He had scored the first points of the season, gave him a 2 yeah. nothing lead. After that, I mean, really nothing happened. Mark Dolajai played every single minute. We didn't expect him to start. He ends up starting and plays every single minute. He and Eli Hughes uh, were the only two guys uh, to play every minute in that game on Wednesday night against UVA. But, I mean... They it, Syracuse just hasn't had a good, a good big man since Raheem Christmas left. Like really, they have had they've had nothing. Like I guess Tyler Roberson was a decent five when he was here, but he was in Jim Beheim's doghouse. 
wasn't kind of didn't live up to the potential. Daywan Coleman was supposed to be the next coming, and he ends up having knee injuries and knee issues the whole time he's here. He kind of becomes a fan favorite because he's a local kid, went to Jamesville, DeWitt, and all that kind of thing. Uh, but really, since since Rack left, like there's been nobody. There really has been no. I mean, Raheem scored almost 18 points a game his senior season. Nobody's even come close to that. Pascal Chuku's not going to do that. Barama Sadibe is not going to do that. Nobody's going to do that. I mean, Syracuse has to be a focus the next couple of years in recruiting on getting a better and more talented offensively, at least, center than they've had in the past years because at this point it's becoming a little bit tough and tough to watch and a little bit frustrating to watch them consistently have no match. Like, you just can't score in the post. This team can't score in the post. It's impossible because the the five is so bad, and it's not a good position for them. Virginia had 47 rebounds. Syracuse had 28. It's going to be a problem. I mean, yeah, big it's a problem. problem. And, and UVA is a really good rebounding team uh, just because they do all the fundamental things so well, and Tony Bennett just has them coached in a way that's really, really impressive. I could talk about Tony Bennett all day long, but uh, in terms of what Syracuse did in that opener against Virginia, I mean, they just got manhandled. They got absolutely – I mean, Kihei Clark is five foot nine. Five foot nine, maybe even shorter. He's listed at five foot nine, and he had eleven rebounds. He almost had a triple double. You know what he didn't as the point guard? You know what he didn't get the necessary double digit figure in? What not? Assists. <laughs> he didn't have the amount of assists that you needed. But at five nine, he had I think it was ten points and eleven boards. That's right. He had seven assists, so he was pretty he was close. close. But you just can't let a five nine point guard get eleven rebounds, especially with a team that. Syracuse plays big with the two-three zone. They're always going to be big at the guard positions, and you let a f- a point guard that's five foot nine just trounce you on the boards. Basically, it's just it, it's it's appalling, kind of. If you're a Syracuse fan, it's really disgruntling to start off the season. They had three blocks on the game. It just not a lot of good. Joe Girard didn't play well, but I think with him and with the other freshmen, it's just going to be a growing process. I guess if you want to look at the positive, it's, hey, you got your toughest defensive test of the season out of the way early, but that's about all you can take positively from this game. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a good thing uh, that you kind of get the, you, you get this, okay, this is where we're at. All, all we've got to do is go up from here. Like, there's nowhere else to go. Uh, I'm not so much concerned about the offense. Uh, I think, really, they will come around. Uh, they get a couple of – I mean, Colgate's their next opponent uh, this coming Wednesday. That's not going to be an easy game. That's a Raiders team that was an NCAA tournament team last year and and returns two really good players in Jordan Burns and, and Rapolis Ivanowskis, who was the uh, D1 transfer of the year. But when you look at where this team is, I think the biggest emphasis – uh, for that Colgate game, not so much offensively. I'd really like to see the rebounding number improve. I really think that's something that they can work on moving forward. I mean, you got you got the size. It's not like they're an undersized team. I mean, Elijah's a little under. Not I mean, he's not. He's playing the three, so I shouldn't even say that. But like Quincy's a little bit undersized to play the four. Quincy Gary at, at six seven to twenty. Maybe you'd like him to be a little bit taller. But still, it's not like you're completely lacking in size. I think the offense will come around. I really do. I think the offense will be fine. They showed they could shoot the three ball. It was an off night playing against the number one team. Uh, not the number one team. The number one defense in the country in each of the last three years. So I'm not so much worried about the offense. I'm more worried about the little things that made them unable to be competitive down the stretch. It was only a 14-point game, which 
not great. Like it's it could have been better certainly, but I mean look at what the defense did. The defense was awesome. They only allowed 48 points and UVA shot four of 24 from distance. Like the two three zone did its job. The two three zone did its job out, outside of everything except rebounding. Far too many offensive rebounds and second chance opportunities for Virginia. So because I think the offense will turn it around, I really think that boxing out and just getting back to the fundamentals and not turning the ball over in key situations is going to be really important for a young team so that they don't stumble to 0-2 with kind of this dark horse out of nowhere. This is a really good Colgate team they got to play against now. And one of those miscues that you really have to clean up to at least be competitive, you got to hit your free throws and you got to get to the line. Syracuse was 3 of 7 against Virginia. Obviously, I mean, Tony Bennett may be the best coach the in pack college line, The pack line is unlike anything I've ever seen. It's incredible. It's, it's hounding. Like, they want you to shoot the three every time. Like, Syracuse played – I don't want to say Syracuse played into it uh, because I think Virginia forced them into it, and I want to give Virginia credit for what they did. But what Syracuse did offensively is what Virginia does to every team they play. And, and Syracuse wants to – they want to shoot the three. That's kind of what their thing is this year. They're going to – evidently play more of a run-and-gun Right, offense. but they don't want it to be contested. Right, and right. All, almost all of the looks, there really weren't that many open looks uh, on, on Wednesday night. But the other thing I want to talk about with UVA, just another little, a little tidbit to throw in there, is this Tony Bennett coached defense. Doesn't matter where he's been. When they hold opponents to under 50 points, which they did against Syracuse on Wednesday. <laughs> Easily. Under by a lot. <laughs> When Tony Bennett, when he's been the head coach, when his teams hold opponents to under 50 points, he is 121 and three. 121 and three. <laughs> First of all, to get 124 games in which you hold your opponents to under 50 points, that's already impressive. Second of all, to only lose three of those games, impressive. Bananas. Just crazy how good defensively that Virginia team is. And I think it was perfectly put. Somebody wrote a piece for the Athletic. I'm not sure exactly who, but I saw I really only saw the headline, but they called this Virginia defense a buzzsaw. And I don't think That's that true. there's any other way to put it. They hound you, they're up in your grill, they're good at the rim, they close you off, they have excellent help side defense. They're gonna get up. You know, they just they want you to they want you to shoot from the perimeter, and if you shoot from the perimeter, they'll adjust and do something else. Like this defense is just so smart and does so many little things well and works together so well as a unit that I'm really not super concerned about Syracuse. Like 34 is bad. Don't get me wrong. Right. Scoring 34 points in 40 minutes of basketball is bad. B A D terrible. Not good at all. Like, has to be fixed. But I don't think it's as big of an issue as some people are maybe making it out to be after the first game of the season. But definitely not the way you want to start the 2019-2020 campaign. We'll kind of take a look at where we think this team is going to go long-term. That's coming up on the other side of the break. It's Fizz Radio on the Score 1260. We're back here on Fizz Radio on the Score 1260. J.D. Rachi alongside Thomas Schultz. And, Thomas, we talked about how bad that performance was on Wednesday night. Uh, SU's loss to Virginia, 48-34, uh, the final from inside the Dome. Let's try to spin this a little bit positively. We tried to do that a little bit already with, with saying how we think, okay, maybe this this offense isn't as bad. I think 
Uh, Colgate will be a good test of how they bounce back. That game coming up on Wednesday night inside the Dome. But let's talk about where we expect this team to go uh, kind of in the long term this season. We all made our crystal ball predictions on orangefizz.net earlier this week right before that UVA game. And I think all of us were kind of kind of in the same mind where a lot of people are with with this Syracuse basketball team. I was the most pessimistic of the bunch, which is odd. I thought it was going to be kind of right in the middle of the pack. I had them at 18 and 13. You, I think, had them at 19 and 12, 19, right? 12, yep. And pretty much everybody else was in that 18 to 21 win range. Of course, two extra conference games this season, which is the reason that we played uh, we played that Virginia game so early in the year because usually you wouldn't see that. Um, and Jim Beheim was not a fan of that. He said it was a, quote, money grab after the game. I think uh, if he had beaten Virginia and didn't score 34 points, it wouldn't have been a money grab. But uh, I digress. He's in year 44. He can say what he wants. He's earned that right. But looking at this season uh, as a whole, I think it's just really when I look at it personally, bumps and bruises like Wednesday are going to be a common thing Beginning of the year, I think they'll pick things up toward the end of conference play, or a non-conference play, conference play, more bumps and bruises because it's conference play, but then maybe a couple of upset wins uh, toward the end of conference play and kind of figure it out. But like it is every year, uh, over the last probably five, six years for the Syracuse basketball program, I just feel like it's it's another bubble year, and it de- really depends on can Elijah Hughes step up, where are the freshmen going to be at by the time conference play is over. Yeah, I think Syracuse fans can get ready to trash Joe Lenardi as the year progresses. It's going to well, be. Well, I mean, that's just become a time honored tradition. Think, it's very right. impressive, really. It is. And it's, like you said, it's going to be a bubble year in all likelihood. And yeah, it's going to be exciting to see how these young guys grow, but there's going to be a lot of frustration as the year goes on. You're going to see a lot of freshman miscues. Hopefully, they have good play from the point guard and center position. That's not something I don't think either of us are confident about. I think Joe Girard could really be really be special. At, not special. I don't want to say special. I don't want to heap even more undue <laughs> expectations on the kid that's got the weight of the entirety of Central New York on his shoulders. Did you know he was the uh, New York High School all-time leading scorer? I did. <laughs> did you also know he won uh, He won MVP of the state championship game in oh, both basketball yeah, and football I, I as a quarterback? I yeah. I mean, this kid, I mean, he's the wonder He's the wonder boy. Like, I, I it's really hard to conceptualize, like, I, I guess I, I wasn't kind of a part of this landscape when Daywan Coleman committed, and so I didn't really get to see that. But, you know, when Buddy committed to Syracuse, I guess because he's Jim's kid, like, they were like, oh, yeah, that's expected, like, whatever. But, you know, Joe Girard commits to Syracuse, and this whole place goes bananas. Like, right. it's unbelievable. Kind of uh, comparisons to GMAC, comparisons <laughs> to, like, some of the best players Syracuse has had over the last couple of years, and I'm like, let's let's pump. The, like I'm, I think he's good, and this is this my re- initial reaction. I think he's good. You, you don't score four thousand points, four thousand plus, almost five thousand by accident. But let's relax a little bit. This kid's playing like public high school basketball in the middle of nowhere, Central New York. Like let's relax. But then he was very impressive in Italy. He scored ten points a game in those Italy games this year. Then he scored 14 in the final exhibition against Carlton, 5 of 7 shooting, 3 of 4 from distance. I bought in hard. He did not play his best game against Virginia. Nobody did. But I really think that, you know, if Jalen Carey isn't ready to go, and if he's really not ready to take that next step as a sophomore, 
I was talking to Jordan Cornett, who called the game last night for ACC Network, and he said, I, I can see, I can totally see a path where Joe Girard III is the starting point guard at the end of the season for the Syracuse team. Like, I, I really think it's not out of the question, considering we have just not seen Jalen Carey step up. No, we haven't. And I think, I mean, we've seen, obviously, historically, Jim Beheim, if his point guard's not playing well, he'll put him in the doghouse and try somebody else out. And so I think there is opportunity there, especially with the shooting capabilities of Joe Girard and Bryson Gooding, that they could really step up if Jalen Carey continues to have these performances. And like you said in the last segment, he did not play well in the preseason leading up to it. And obviously he had a very, very rough season a year ago. So it'll be interesting. I think I do think this team does sneak their way into the NCAA tournament, but that's more because I think Jim Beheim always kind of annually has this magic that he brings about. Somehow finds a way. And I mean, it's unbelievable. The, the remaining schedule for the, the end of this year for Syracuse is not incredibly difficult. It's Louisville, Georgia Tech, Pittsburgh, UNC, Boston College, Miami. Three of those games, four of those games, very winnable. Two of them... Very, Very, I don't want to call them not winnable, but <laughs> I'll be shocked. Louisville is who I think is going to win the ACC, at least the regular season title. And then UNC's got Cole Anthony, who's going to cause all kinds of problems for everybody uh, this season. But Miami winnable, Boston College winnable, Pitt definitely winnable, and Georgia Tech has nothing to play for. Right. They, they're, they're, they, can't, they can't go to the postseason this year. They've got, like, I, I feel bad for the kids at that program because they've got nothing to play for this season except pride. So good for them if they can play for pride. I think they won last night, or on Wednesday night, I should say, um, in their season opener. Uh, I think it was against NC State, too, in overtime. So that was an impressive win for them, NC State, another team that could kind of make some rumblings in the ACC. But, you know, when you look at this Syracuse team, I I agree. I think they get into the tournament. Uh, Like I said, I was the most pessimistic of all of us at the Fizz in terms of what my final season prediction was at 18 and 13 on the year. I really do think it's on this for the freshman, though. I wrote an article, and you can check it out on orangefizz.net. Um, I wrote an article. I think the freshman class is the X factor for this season. I think where this freshman class goes is where this season goes for Syracuse. You know where you're going to get out of, Eli- out of Elijah Hughes. You're probably going to get 15 to 20 points a night. Hopefully it's a little bit more efficient than it was on Wednesday against Virginia. You know you're not really going to get great center play out of Barama Sidibe. You know you're not going to get a ton offensively out of Mark Dolajai, although he's always going to give you the little plays. Um, so there are a lot of there are a couple of knowns for this Syracuse basketball team, but that freshman class, the five guys: Bryson Goodine, Joe Girard the third, Quincy Garrier, uh, John Bolajak, and Jesse Edwards. Those are going to be the five guys that I'm looking to for the entirety of the season. And it's tough to be able to to be having to look at a group of freshmen like that, but there's five of them. They've got to make some sort of impact, and I think that's really uh, where they go is where this team goes. I'm very curious to see what Dolajai does this year, specifically how much he tries to score because he put up eight shots against Virginia. And I mean, some of them, I think some of them were like end of the shot clock, like shot clock, like we got to huck up a shot so we don't get a 24 second violation. But yeah, it'll be interesting because I mean. He's now one of the veterans alongside Elijah Hughes. They're they're the older guys in the locker room. No seniors so. on this team. Very underrated part about this team. No true seniors. Right. So, I mean, Dolajai, we'll see. I mean, we saw him take a little bit of a step last year offensively. Obviously, freshman year, he just didn't shoot. Uh, Jim Beheim said. Although his freshman year, he was awesome in the NCAA tournament. He was. The he games was against Arizona State and TCU. 
He was uh, he was incredible. Uh, Michigan State, I think he had a yeah, he had a pretty good well. game as well. Yeah. Um. So you know, it'll be interesting to see if he becomes more of a guy who continues to do the little things, but maybe he becomes more of a factor on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, somebody's got to alleviate some pressure from Elijah Hughes. Maybe it's Buddy Beheim, but I think you, you're going to need more guys than just your one and your two. You need more guys to do something, and you need some big guy to step up and, I don't know, give you some you kind of You need a post-presence in terms of scoring. Like, O'Shea Brissett was kind of that inside scorer over the last couple of years, so I think it's got to be Quincy Gary. Again, going back to that freshman class, I think they've they've really got to step up. So that's kind of where we're at in terms of where we think this team goes slips into the NCAA tournament, maybe makes some noise because of the 2-3 zone like they normally do. Uh, maybe a Sweet 16 run. I don't see him going past the Sweet 16 because they are so young. But then again, who the heck knows what kind of magic Jim Beheim's going to cook up. The one thing I want to get to before we transition over to football after the break, I want to talk a little bit about Syracuse basketball recruiting because there has been some news over the last couple of days. Number one, two important guys for Syracuse inside the Dome. Three important guys, I should say. Two we knew about, one we kind of didn't know about and we'll get to him in a second, inside the Dome on Wednesday night against Virginia. The first one was 2020 commit Woody Newton. He was the first commit for Syracuse a couple of months ago. Uh, long guy, six foot nine, power forward type, good score, um, good athleticism, etc. He could be a post scorer for Syracuse in a couple of years. You know that he's committed to Syracuse right now. I haven't heard any rumblings about him decommitting or switching, so he's a great, good to have him in there. Not great a result to see, but good to have him in there and have him on campus. The other guy, class of 2021, five-star point guard, Kennedy Chandler. He's out of Tennessee. Uh, he has a lot of really good offers, as any five-star would. Um, and there's really no – nobody really knows where he's going. Uh, he's a little bit undersized. He's only about six foot one, but very athletic, good distributor of the basketball, and, and he's a five-star for a reason. Um, nobody really knows where he's going, though. He's got a bunch of offers, and when you look at 24-7, my favorite thing to do is, number one, look at crystal ball. That's always right. a great yeah. barometer of where things are going. And then the second thing is to look at uh, kind of where they are in terms of the heat meter they have on the offers. He's warm pretty much everywhere. It doesn't matter what you look at. I know he's warm on Syracuse, warm on Florida State, warm on uh, you know uh, Michigan, a bunch of other teams. So interesting to see where he goes. And then the final one, uh, this kind of update that we're giving you, class of 2022 shooting guard out of western New York right on the Canada border up in the Buffalo area. That is uh, Roddy Gale, really talented kid, going to public school right now, four-star recruit. He's a top 50 recruit in that class. He got offered on Wednesday night. One of his biggest offers so far has also got offers from Oklahoma and Wake Forest, so he is somebody to keep your eye on as well as we continue trying to see where this team is going to go over the next couple of years because with no true seniors on the team this year, what we got this year is a lot going to be a lot similar, very similar to what we see next year uh, from Syracuse, and then you add in Woody Newton as well as a couple of other guys, maybe an Isaiah Jackson. He'll be committing on November 16th, 15th, whatever the Saturday is that weekend. Um, he's ready to go, and Syracuse is in his top three along with Alabama and Kentucky. We can keep you updated all the time on orangefizz.net with all the recruiting news, recruiting news you need to know about Syracuse basketball and about Syracuse football. A little bit of recruiting news to get to with them as well. But Thomas and I, we're going to break down what, what's gone wrong. I mean, we're going to talk about Brian Ward. We're going to talk about the offense. We're going to talk about the last three games of the season. That's coming up on the other side. You're listening to Fizz Radio on the score 1260. 
All right, folks, we've got to talk about them. We can't just leave them out in the cold. We can't just ignore them because there is something to talk about. It's Syracuse football, of course, entering this week three and six. Is that right? Three and six on the season. That is correct. Uh, After a quick mental calculation in the good old noggin of mine. Uh, They're on a bye week this week. No game. Next game next Saturday, a week from today, against Duke down in Durham. There's a lot. I mean, <laughs> I wish they this could just team. Stay on I mean, it's just it's it, it's kind of left you speechless. Kind of just. I mean, expectations were really high coming into the season for this team. Of course, ranked in the top twenty-five. Uh, you know, coming off their best season in almost twenty years, and then everything's just gone wrong. I mean, they haven't beaten a Power Five team. They've looked awful in pretty much every ACC game they've played. They gave up four hundred and ninety-six rushing yards against Boston College. Last game they played last Saturday, so a week ago today. Uh, that that leads to their defensive coordinator, Brian Ward, getting fired. Uh, he got fired on Sunday last week. And, I mean, bye week's coming out a good time, I guess. you got to win out at this point to make a bowl game. And you've got on the road at Duke, on the road at Louisville, and then you have to play the second-best team in the ACC at home on senior day in, in Wake Forest. I mean, this team is in a bad way right now. So Orange Fizz on our site right before game day. We always have our Fizz predictions. I'll give listeners a little preview of my predictions the next three games unless anything changes. Uh, All losses for the Syracuse team. It's just nothing going well. Obviously, this defense has been terrible. Brian Ward getting fired. Something needed to change. Something. Is he the scapegoat? I think that's to be determined. But somebody, something. Something had to change. I mean, I think a little bit of Ward's firing was – Slight recency bias because his defense did give up 496 rushing yards. They ran the against play 30 times in a row. Right. 30. I mean, or Steve Adazio said 30. We ran the same play 30 times. I mean, if you're a Division One defense and you can't figure out a simple run play that he that you've run that you've seen literally 29 other times, <laughs> that's ridiculous. I think the offense honestly has been much worse this season. Uh, the defense has kept them in games. They gave up 41 against Clemson, but I mean. They gave up two garbage-time touchdowns, so that brings you down to about 27 points. I mean, they had two picks that they brought within the five-yard line. The offense couldn't convert. Like, this defense has kept them in games this season, but the last two weeks have been bad. They got run over all over by Cam Akers in Florida State, and then A.J. Dillon and David Bailey did the same thing for Boston College. So part of it, I think, is recency bias. Part of it, too, I think, is... Somebody needed to go. Some changes, some change needed to be made. Some drastic change needed to be made, and it just happened to be Brian Ward. And then the third thing I think too is Dino is an offensively minded coach. So to him and to many, the offensive struggles aren't entirely on offensive coordinator Mike Lynch. They're also on Dino. Defensively, I'm not saying Dino's like, oh well, the defense they can do whatever they want. That's not my unit. But defensively, Brian Ward is relied upon more heavily uh, to be the out-and-out coach of that unit, and it, they, they just weren't doing the job. They just weren't getting the job done, and I think that's kind of part of the reason why Brian Ward was the guy to go rather than maybe you know the offensive line coach, Mike Cavanaugh. Offensive line's been abysmal, worst, team, worst unit in the country by a wide margin this year. Uh, you know, there's just it's, it's really hard to look at this football season for Syracuse and say, these are the positives. We can take these small things. They haven't played a Power 5 team close this year. The closest they came was Pitt, and that was a blowout, even though they only lost by 7, and they lost by 6 against NC State in another game they got dominated in. Right, no, I mean, it looks a lot closer than it actually was during that game, and I think 
maybe after those two games, and you can, a part of me wants to go back to the Maryland game and say, look, they let Maryland run all over them. If a team establishes, they're terrible. They stink. We thought they might be good and that maybe there was a dark. They stink. Syracuse is just much worse. Uh, But we, we thought, you know, maybe, I don't know, like something, something was, is the running game, is that they just can't stop it? Is that what's going on? And I think a large part of it is just once the defense just continually got run over and run over and run over, it's just got to be so demoralizing. Yeah, that they gave. Room. I, mean, I don't want to say they gave up. I don't want to accuse them of that. But I mean, I'm saying from my own personal perspective, like that's. I mean, I wouldn't want to. I I I'd be sick and tired of getting run over again and again and again and again and again. I mean, 496 yards is a lot. And when Boston, I mean, give up 496 yards to Boston College. They and ran 691 play. total yards. Right. They like, run. Oh. Their their quarterback, eight of ten, three touchdowns. He's a backup. 195 yards. Just it's not just, good. It's it's awful. Not good. Really, really, really bad. But I I agree with you. I think the next three weeks. I don't know if I see a win. I I really don't. Uh, you know, this end of the season was supposed to be kind of this. I don't want to say cupcake gimme schedule, but Duke wasn't supposed to be good. Louisville was supposed to be rebuilding. Both those teams are better than we expected, and we knew Wake was going to be a tough game. It always is, and they look they are far and away the second-best team in the ACC. And think about how far Syracuse has fallen from grace this season. Like They were picked to finish second in the conference. They are the worst team in the conference by record and possibly the worst team in the conference in general. I mean, it's them or Georgia Tech. Take your pick, but at least Georgia Tech – has a road conference when Syracuse hasn't come close to winning an ACC winning an ACC game. No, I mean haven't come close to winning a Power Five game like you mentioned earlier, and it's just it, it it's I, I don't see a lot of optimism maybe for the future just because of how demoralizing the season. It's been has tough been. to watch. It's it, really just been tough to watch. It, it it's there's nothing good going on for this team. The offensive line, like you said, JD, absolutely the worst unit offensive line unit in the country. It's not even close. Tommy DeVito. Really, from the Liberty game, he was under pressure. And th- there we were like, all right, well, they'll work things out. That's never happened. Kendall Coleman and Alden Robinson have regressed an extreme amount. And, like, how much of that is because y- you don't have that defensive tackle presence in Chris Slayton? Or is it, it, I, I, don't, I don't think it can be just that. It's, it's hard to look at. I think the thing, too, with Alton and Kendall is that they set the bar so high for themselves last year with 10 sacks each. I think they're still creating a decent amount of havoc. They're just not necessarily finishing those sacks, but they're affecting and altering the game in other ways. One other defensive end I do want to talk about, the only good thing to come out of that Boston College weekend was the top recruit now in Syracuse's 2020 class in terms of football, and that's Latari Kinsler. He's a guy out of Pahokee, Florida, who committed lanky, strong, athletic, quick defensive end, had a boatload of really good offers, had LSU on his offer sheet. Uh, You know, they're borderline the best team in the country along with Ohio State and Alabama like he's a big pickup like moving forward that's huge for Syracuse because you are going to lose Alton Robinson and you're going to lose Kendall Coleman after the season yeah and that's that's I mean easily their biggest uh, recruit of the year I think 24-7 has him 250 spots higher than Syracuse's top rate recruit so big pickup and he was a guy that Syracuse came in and said look this is what we're planning with Brian Ward and he said, all right, I, I still want to jump on board. I still want to be a part of this team. He knew Ward was getting fired before he committed. Right, so that's that's very promising for Syracuse. And for Dino Babers to land his 
best recruit at this juncture of the season after firing his defensive coordinator, that, that's got to tell you something a little bit. It's impressive um, this rest of the season has not been. We'll see where Syracuse ends up next week. Of course, down in Durham against Duke. No game today. They are on a bye week. All right, it's almost time to wrap things up here on Fizz Radio. And, of course, the only way to wrap things up on Fizz Radio is with a little Fizz feedback. That's coming your way on the other side. It's Fizz Radio on the score. All right, we're wrapping things up here on Fizz Radio on the score. 1260, J.D. Rachi alongside Thomas Schultz. Uh, definitely not the most positive week in Syracuse sports of all time. Of course, the football team, like we mentioned, not in a good way right now. The basketball team scoring the fewest points they've scored since World War II. That's also not great, but we're going to do a little Fizz feedback. That'll get your spirits up. That's the best segment here on Fizz Radio on a week-to-week basis. First one is going to be about the football team, and the question was, how many games does Syracuse football win the rest of the season? They've got three more at Duke, at Louisville, and then home against Wake Forest. They're going to lose out. Maybe one, two, we're feeling positive. Three, we're bowling. Uh, the fact that three bowling got any votes <laughs> is very surprising to me. They got 6% of the vote, but winning the vote by a close margin, 48% they say are losing. They're going to lose out 42% with maybe one. I agree with Fizz Nation. I think they lose out the rest of the season and finish this year 3-9 and nine and continue to just tumble downward from where they thought they were going to be yeah there's nothing good going for Syracuse for the rest of the season and I've got to think the 10% who voted for feeling positive or bowling baby they uh they gotta either be living under a rock or being very sarcastic they could be being sarcastic that's the thing with Twitter polls you never know exactly why somebody is answering maybe they miss the way mistyped. they answer that could be a thing too <laughs> I know I've and you can't edit you can't edit your response on Twitter that is something Twi- if anybody from Twitter is listening out there uh, please make make a choice so you can, number one, edit your tweets, and number two, edit the way that you vote on polls. Next question is going to be about Syracuse football as well. This was not a poll, so anybody that responded to this one, they want it to be heard. Uh, what were your reactions to Brian Ward's firing over the weekend? Was it the right move? Did somebody else deserve more of the blame? Are there more changes that need to be made? And we said, let us know how you feel. And Kent Thorpe said he was shocked. After excelling last year, you'd think he would survive this year regardless. However, this defense has not lived up to its potential. I feel it was the right choice. Something had to give, and this one was part of fixing some major flaws. We need to be more aggressive. I don't, I mean, I was pretty surprised. Actually, I'd agree. I was shocked. When I saw Brian Ward gets fired, first of all, got fired right after Willie Taggart got fired at Florida State, which is another thing that's interesting because that team beat uh, SU and then got dismantled at home by Miami. So that's another interesting kind of wrinkle into this into this season for Syracuse. But uh, I mean, we talked about it a little bit. I, I think it. I don't know if it was the right or wrong move. I think it was a warranted move. Something had to change, and it just happened to be Ward. I thought he would last to at least the end of the year, and I agree. I think somebody was going to get fired, and that may or may not be the end of it. We'll see as the season continues. But was I surprised it was Ward? Yeah. I, I usually you don't fire DC in midway into the season even as they're ending the season but I I wouldn't say I was shocked I, I saw it coming a little bit all right we'll move on from Syracuse football to Syracuse basketball we're going back to the polls what went wrong in last night's loss to Virginia this was asked on it on a Thursday let us know why in the comments below bad offense Virginia's just great young team mistakes or coaching choices and I am in the absolute minority here with my vote eight percent of the vote Virginia's just great. Winning the poll with 53% far and away the winner. Bad offense. Don't get me wrong. The offense was terrible. Awful. I mean, they were not good. We're not trying to make excuses for them. There there was young team mistakes. There was bad coaching choice. I mean, all of these four are kind of culprits, but if I had to pick one, 
Virginia's the defending national champ. Tony Bennett is my, uh, I think he's the best coach in college basketball. Virginia is just great. Yeah, I think Virginia is great. I mean, that, that, that was my vote. I voted in the poll, 8%. I was part of that 8%. Apparently, nobody in Fizz Nation agrees with me. I'm okay with that, though. Usually, I agree with Fizz Nation. So, it's kind of nice to have a little bit of a difference of opinion in this case. Final Fizz feedback. What's your biggest question heading into the rest of the basketball season? Comment your answer below. We had some interesting <laughs> some interesting responses to this. The first one from Michael Mastrolio. Why did we let Mike Hopkins go to Washington? Not really sure. Can't answer that question for you, Michael. I mean, that was kind of a power dynamic thing, maybe. I'm not sure. But he is certainly looking great. They've got a great squad going out there uh, in Seattle this season. Dave Allen says point guard again. Yeah, we don't know what we're going to get from Jalen Carey. And then Marty Quobel with the line of the week. Will we break 40? They didn't in the season opener. That'll do it for us here on Fizz Radio. For Thomas Schultz, I'm J.D. Ranchi. Hopefully next week goes a little bit better for Syracuse. Thanks so much for listening.